Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story. Today, we have an absolutely amazing guest, Pastor Keith Deal, and he gives his incredible story of overcoming addiction to drugs, opioids, uh, primarily heroin. If you're not inspired, encouraged by this story, I, I don't know what will. So we hope you enjoy this episode of Tell Us a Good Story. The story of my life, I take her home, I drive all night to keep her warm in time. It's frozen. The story of all right, Steph, I am uber excited about this I one. I know you're this excited one, about this, this one. This one is... I know you are. This is special to me. Yes, it All is. All right. Come so, on. ladies and gentlemen, our next guest <laughs> is pastor of Community Worship Center in Tyrone, Pennsylvania. He's a husband, a father, and a childhood friend of mine. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Pastor Keith Deal. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Uh, welcome. Thank you so much for ha- having me. I'm so excited to be with you today. And... uh so good to see you, Kevin. Stephanie, amazing to meet you. And uh, I'm telling you, I was telling Kevin this. You guys are naturals at this, by the way. You do a phenomenal oh, job. I've you. loved every single one of them. And it's just, yeah, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you. Oh, thank that you. means a lot. Thank yeah. you. Well, as I mentioned, this is special to me. And I'm going to I'm gonna do my best to call you Pastor Keith <laughs> instead of just Keith, right? So if gonna, I slip up, him. yes, yeah. if yes. I slip up, forgive me. You're forgiven. But let me give, lis- yes, <laughs> let me give listeners kind of a, a brief story of how we reconnected. We literally just reconnected within the last two weeks, yeah. okay? And which, which is amazing to me. And so as I was telling Stephanie, over Christmas this past year, my mom had briefly mentioned uh, at, our, at our Christmas party that she had seen where Keith Deal, who was a childhood friend of mine, was now a, a pastor. And I was like, no, nah, that, that can't be. Like, when you say a pastor, you're, you're making this up, right? Maybe someone, maybe he was in church someday, someone handed him a microphone and he gave a story or something, gave a testimony. That doesn't mean he's a pastor. And so I didn't have the energy to like argue with my mom. Like, no, that's not right. Okay. I think you're making stuff up here. So two weeks ago, literally I get a text from mom and said, Hey, you probably already seen this, but check on YouTube, look up pastor Keith deal. His messages are on YouTube. And so I immediately go to YouTube and I look up pastor Keith deal and like 20 plus messages and videos pop up and I click on the first one and I see pastor Keith deal, right? Who I have not seen in over 20, over years. 20 years, in, over, over 20, 20 years. I've not seen him. So I see him on this video and I'm like, that looks like an older version, an adult version <laughs> of Keith deal. But that doesn't sound like Keith deal. Like yeah. that is a, that's a different dude. Like mm-hmm. this is legit. And so I'm start and I watch it and I'm like, okay, good. Another one, good. Another one. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like he's really good. Like, <laughs> This is legit. So then, so I go to your website, your church website, communityworshipcenter.org, look that up. And I'm like, this is like, he's got a website and everything. Like, this is legit. <laughs> yeah. Like, my mom's not making this stuff up. Like, it is legit. Blew me away. Yeah. Absolutely blew me away. And so immediately, I'm like, I got to try to connect with him. So I'm looking you up on Facebook. Can't find you. Looked on Instagram. Can't find you. Then I went to uh, communityworshipcenter.org. And like, hey, you know, trying to ask the pastor, ask the staff something and said, hey, 
please contact me. I want to reconnect yeah. with your pastor. Please reach out to your pastor, whoever's <laughs> on the other end of this email. Yeah. Here's my, here is my phone number. Tell him to call me. And so that was on a Tuesday. By Friday night, I was like, you know what? I bet that staff didn't get a hold of him. Okay. So then I look up your dad. So I remember your dad's name. Look him up on Facebook. Messenger him via Facebook. And probably a half hour goes by. He immediately sends back, hey, it is so great to hear from you. Yeah. I'm going to send your information to, to my son. And then within an hour, I get this random text from some Pennsylvania number <laughs> and uh, asking me, hey, if there's a good time to talk, let's talk. And so I immediately called him like, is this Pastor Keith Dill? Because I, I cannot believe what I'm seeing. Yeah. Like, Keith blew me away, my man. And it was funny, right? Because um, so my staff did tell me. I had, they did. They okay. did. And I had three speaking engagements that week. And so on Friday night, I was actually teaching. I was in the middle of a, of a lesson. I was teaching um, in marriage, um, our core marriage ministry. And my dad texted me and he was like, call him right away. That's <laughs> what he said. And I said, <laughs> I'll do it as soon as I'm out of here, dad. And so um, I, I listen, I'm so excited to reconnect with you. Something really funny here. So I was thinking about how, I'm sure you know how competitive your husband is, right? He's so competitive. Just a little bit. Oh, oh, yes, yes. That's a good way to. Say <laughs> He's it. so competitive. We used to play yeah. ping pong, okay, at the church <laughs> when we were kids. We played ping pong, and we even got trophies and everything for this, right? Like it was, it was legit. It was it's real. Legit. Yes. It was legit. Well, after a couple years of the ping pong, that got old, and so he made up a game. I'm pretty sure it was him where we took a just a rubber I'm ball, sure. just a rubber ball on a ping pong table. And we would hit this rubber ball back and forth and he'd be putting English on it. It was, oh my gosh. I just was thinking about that the other day, Kevin. Do you remember that? Hitting that little rubber ball I, on the... <laughs> I don't remember the rubber ball, but I remember playing a ton of ping pong at the church. Yeah. I mean, I looked up to your husband. You know, he's a couple years older than me and uh, you know, heck of a basketball player. And of course, I love basketball too. And so got to play against him a couple times um, in high school. And, and so, yeah. And then he actually came and I got him to play on my three-on-three team. And, and we, oh, we ran right. the table, you remember? We did. And, uh, won a couple tournaments. We did. Yeah. We won a couple tournaments, won the championship. And uh, so, yeah, man, it's, again, just such an honor and a privilege to, to be with you and, and excited that God reconnected us, man. Um, really, yeah. I, yeah. I'm blown away because I was telling Steph, like, you were a really good athlete. And, uh, and of course, you'll get into that in a little bit of, uh, of what happened in high school. But yeah. Keith was a very good athlete. And so I was a senior at, at Bloom Carroll playing basketball. Keith was a freshman at Amanda Clare Creek, starting at Amanda Clare Creek. So we actually played against each other. I was a senior. He was a freshman. Not fair to Keith, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, a senior going against a freshman, that's, that's, a, that's a little bit disadvantage, yeah, right, a little for the bit. most part. But that tells you how good he was mm -hmm. to be able to start varsity as a freshman. And then he played, of course, quarterback, the football team and everything. So yeah, uh, yeah Keith was a, a very good athlete back in the day. And, and he was like, like almost like a little brother yeah. to me growing up. Because Absolutely. Keith would spend the night at my house. Yep. Um, we're always, we're constantly playing, uh, playing sports, backyard. <laughs> oh my. Story about my grandfather. And uh. so of course he's, he's no longer with us, but I tell Steph the story of, of you and I and, and how scared to wear of our grandfather that one time. Yeah. So again, your husband is extremely competitive. Okay. I'm gonna blame it all on him. So <laughs> we, <laughs> we were out there, we were playing home run derby is what we were doing. And so he pitched to me first and then it was my turn to pitch and I was trying to strike him out. 
And so I'm throwing, you know, throwing the baseball and I decide to get, you know, a little fancy and try to do a sidearm pitch. Well, I lost control of it. And we were pitching in front of a wood pile. Do you remember that? It was a, it was a bunch yes. of cut wood. So we were supposed my, to hit the wood, right? In my grandfather's backyard. In your grandfather's backyard. And so there was a big pile of wood, like firewood, stacked there. And he was standing in front of it. So I was supposed to be hitting the, the, the firewood. Well, when I slung it sidearm, I lost control of the ball. And so it takes off right on me. And I'm literally doing body language, trying to get the ball to move, right? Like I'm like, don't, because it's headed right for a window. And I'm going, That's oh God, I'm serious. Headed right for a window, Steph. I'm, I'm so scared. I mean, literally my heart's down to my toes. I'm trying to use my whole body to move the ball. It didn't move the ball, obviously, and shatters this window. Shattered. Kevin, Kevin is mortified. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. And, uh, you know, and so we had to walk in and tell his grandpa about it. <laughs> so I'm scared. I'm scared for me and Keith going yes. into my grandfather's house. Right. And to think this is, this is 30 years ago. And we still remember how scared we were. Right. So we're walking in to my grandfather's house and I'm thinking, I'm like telling Keith, cause I had just seen my cousin get flicked in the head by my grandpa uh, for him. He like talked back to my grandma or something. And he, I mean, my grandpa count comes over, just literally flicks him right in the head. And I'd seen that recently. So walking in, I'm like, okay, worst case scenario, my good buddy Keith here is going to see my grandpa take off his belt and beat me in front of him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Best case scenario Keith gets flicked in the head by my grandpa. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, don't know, I don't know why I thought that. Like my grandfather would flick one of my friends in the head, but I was, I was, scared. I was scared. I was scared. I was very scared. So what? Yeah. Do you remember what happened when we went in and apologized? He was actually really cool. Yes. He actually was really cool. I mean, he looked at us. He gave a death glare. Like you, <laughs> you knew. Like okay, he's giving grace right now, right? Um, but yeah, he was actually pretty cool as I remember it. Uh, yeah, he never, yeah, he, he didn't like, do anything. He just said, yeah. okay. It know. is what it is. It is what it is. Me. Yeah. Thanks for being and truthful. Then, he said that. Thanks for being honest and, and coming in and being forthright, you know, with, with what happened. So, and then as soon as he said <laughs> that, I'm like, you heard the man, like, let's go. <laughs> let's let's get out. Mind. <laughs> yeah. We get out of there. And I'm like, I think the only reason he did that, because you were with me, Keith, like yeah. I was scared. I was so scared, but to think. We remember that, you know, 30 years later. Can you talk about how this drug addiction started? And of course, what's sad to me is you were such a good athlete, right? And, and what it may have robbed you from, right? Yeah. As, as a kid in that window that you had, you know, in high school. So can you talk about how this all started, this drug addiction? Sure. So <clears throat> I would say it started like most people who you know, get hooked on drugs. It, it didn't start off with the thought of, you know, I'm going to be an addict or I want to be an addict, or I want this to control my life or consume my life. It started out again. Like you said, I was, I was a, you know, pretty good athlete. And so, you know, I would go to parties with my friends and stuff after the game. Um, I started uh, my sophomore year is when we started partying pretty consistently. And you know, one of the things though, growing up in my home, you, you had my mom who was a, a faithful believer, but my dad wasn't. Okay. So, so my dad would get high, um, 
you know, smoking weed around the house, whatever. And I used to steal it from my dad, actually, uh, the marijuana. And so that's where I started. And I started out again, it was just supposed to be fun. It, it wasn't, you know, something that I felt was going to consume my life. It was just, hey, we're having a good time. It's after the game. We all played hard. I had a great game. Let's go celebrate type thing. And, but by my senior year, you know, because the one thing about sin that I didn't realize then that I obviously realize now is sin is not um, comfortable just taking a little. Sin wants it all, right? It, it, it will take you further than you ever, ever intended on going. And it keeps you there a whole lot longer than you ever wanted to stay. And that's exactly what happened. So by my senior year, um, the drug addiction had gotten so bad um, that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't even play sports really anymore. Matter of fact, I was, like you said, I was the quarterback of the football team and in Amanda Clear Creek football was everything. And I finally made it to the quote unquote pinnacle of being the quarterback. Right. And, and, uh, but my drug addiction was so bad that I quit football in the middle of my senior year. Right. I'd worked my whole life to get to this point that, um, you know, the drugs had just taken over at this point. Um, the pills, the, the, um, you know, the Percocet, um, the Xanax, um, those things just constantly every day, day in, day out of, of doing that robbed me of my drive to play ball. It just completely consumed everything about me. And again, though, I, I didn't think I had a problem. I thought, you know, I can, I can just put this down and, you know, and, and go about my life. But after I graduated high school, I actually, um, I was at a party one time and, and someone brought in heroin. Okay. Um, because one reason was Percocets were so expensive, just to be honest with you, the, the painkillers just got to be too expensive. And so they, they brought in heroin and I tried it. Um, you know, again, not thinking anything, just thinking, ah, oh, we're partying, you know, I'd been, you know, dabbling in drugs since I was a, a sophomore in high school. Now I'm 19 and I'm out of school. And this is just a Friday night party. No big deal. But um, all of a sudden, man, this, this drug grabbed me. Like it, it, was, it was the craziest thing because I guess the way I would describe it was um, it made you feel uh, warm and secure, right? When you took this drug, it made you literally feel like um, nothing could touch you. You were invincible, um, confident, super confident, man. I mean, like I can do anything on this drug. And of course, you know, um, that just led to doing it more. I want people to know how good of an athlete you were, right? What was robbed from you yeah. right? because of this okay. addiction, because of this sin. I remember when I was in college and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there, Amanda Clerk got to the state finals Yeah, and you're playing somebody. And I remember I'm watching this game from my dorm room in college. And I remember like yelling at the TV, Hey, put my boy Keith in, put my boy Keith in. And I don't know what year you would have been, but I'm watching the state finals on TV, put my boy Keith in. And so they put you in at the very end and you end up running for a touchdown. And I don't know if it's a state finals game or whatever. Am I, am I thinking clearly here? Yeah, did that so happen? it did happen. I had a, I actually held the record at Paul Brown Stadium. I had a 72 okay, yard touchdown. Yeah, 72 yards. Okay. First play, they they gave me the ball, you know, and I went for 72 yards around the end for a touchdown. So you graduated. You're partying. You get introduced to heroin. Yeah. At a party, you get addicted. You said because it gives you this feeling of 
confidence of boldness, right? That you may never have felt before. So yeah. can you, can you take us from that point of when you graduated, you get it, you get introduced to heroin and, uh, kind of walk us, walk us from there. Absolutely. So yeah, when I get introduced to, to heroin, right. I, the one thing that as a 19 year old boy, you know, like boy slash man, right. You're, you're trying to graduate from boyhood to manhood and you don't even know what that looks like. And I didn't have any mentors at the time. I really did. I didn't have anybody, you know, teaching me, Hey, you know, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. I was just kind of left up to my own devices and, you know, and so the insecurities that was, you know, on me is that, you know, as a 19 year old, um, really disappeared when I took heroin. It completely left, right? I had no more insecurities. Pain is gone. All the hurt is gone. All the things that, you know, were just, they just disappeared with this drug. And so, you know, as I continued to, to walk through life, the drugs got really, really bad. Um, it didn't stay to Friday nights anymore. It got to the point to where I no longer would take it orally or sniff it. I would actually shoot it in my veins, and so now I was mainline and IV and um, heroin. And, and it was so bad that I would have to wake up first thing in the morning and do a shot just to, to you know, feel normal, not to even get high, but just to feel normal, just to, to you know, not be sick because this drug makes you incredibly sick when you're off of opioids, um, as I'm sure you guys are aware. I mean, Stephanie being in the medical field, you know, this drug, if you don't have it, it, it makes you like the worst case of the flu you've ever had mm. in your life. Like, okay. So yeah, the, the, you know, if you didn't have this drug, you'd be incredibly ill, incredibly ill. Yes. And so I'd wake up in the morning, do a shot, get halfway through the day, do another shot, um, just to, to feel normal, not to get high, but now is no longer, I'm doing the drug to have fun. I'm doing the drug just to maintain. Okay. Which is a completely different, you know, uh, realm of addiction, right? So it's every single day. Listen, it got so bad that I was on $300 of heroin a day. Every day I would take what they called a bundle. Okay. I'd take a bundle of heroin, which is 10 bags of stamp bags. And I would make that in one shot. That would be one shot, one shot. And I would do that three times a day. Okay. And this was not, I wasn't tore up from it. I was, I would be talking to you like right now. You know what I mean? It would just be, that'd be normal for me. That was the level that you got to. That's the level that I got oh to, Kevin. Just to, just to function. Just so. to function, right? Yeah. Just not to, to party, not to party. Now, yeah. if I wanted to party, it would have to be more than that. And so oh, the, the way I would support the habit though, because you can't really afford that, um, you know, being a drug addict, you know, you'd have to sell the drug. So I would get what they would call brick, right? Which is five bundles. And I would take two of them and sell two, which made up for the three that I could keep for myself. And, and that would be every single day. I would go to Pittsburgh. I'd go to Columbus because I was living in Columbus at this time. Um, I was back and forth between Pittsburgh and Columbus. And, and so, you know, whichever city, you know, I could get a hold of my guy would be where I'd go. I'd drive clear. I'd be in Columbus, drive clear to Pittsburgh, which is, uh, what, four-hour drive, three and a half? Yeah, three-hour drive just to get my dope and turn right back around and go home, you know, and this was every single day, man. And it was so bad. I would have these massive abscess on my arm. I'm not kidding. They were bigger than golf balls where when I would shoot the dope, I'd miss my vein. And when I'd miss the vein, it would blow up inside there. Cause that, that filth 
is inside your body now and it had nowhere to go and it would just back up on my right in the you know in the crease of my arm and uh, yeah i'd have i'd have massive abscess where the doctor they knew me so well in the doctor's office because this happened so frequently that they would be like you know mr deal you know here you are why are you back how would you hide that from your family from your wife or, or i guess maybe you couldn't yeah. So at that time, I, I wasn't married at that time. Um, I wasn't with Julie at that time, actually my wife, but my mom, Kevin, my poor mom, she would come home and she would find me OD'd on the bed with a needle oh. hanging out of my arm, laying there completely out because the heroin was just too much. I took a hot shot is what they would call it. And I would go out. There's been several times where she's had to, to, to literally take me and hold me up and, and try to resuscitate me back, you know, to, you know, almost dying. Right. I've OD'd three times, you know, and, and it was just by the grace of God that, that it didn't kill me. Right? right. Um, and it was, and I didn't really hide it to be honest. I didn't care. Like I, I you know what I mean? I could wear long sleeve shirts so that you couldn't see it. Cause I, you know, I, I didn't want people seeing these big abscess, but also at the same time, I really didn't care. I was so lost, so confused, so bound by this addiction that it completely controlled every moment of my life. So even if I had the dope, right, I would still be on my mind to find more, right? Because I couldn't go without it. So even if I had it, I was still scheming, stealing, robbing, lying to get the next fix because I had to have it. And, you know, and uh, man, I tell you what, my poor parents, um, they tried everything to get me help. They spent thousands upon thousands of dollars sending me to all the best uh, programs around Columbus, um, all the secular programs they could find, thousands of dollars, but none of it worked. Life was really, really bad. It was so bad, Kevin. Like I have been, so I've got five DUIs on my record, Mm. five of them. I've been in and out of jail. We added it up one time because of my addiction, whether they catch me with heroin on me, right? Drug possession, paraphernalia with needles, all that stuff. I, I've been in and out of jail. I did over three years behind bars by the time I was 25 years old. So from 18 oh my gosh. to 25 kept, that's how much time I spent behind bars. Um, and, and again, it was like there, there was one, one point in time I did 15 months, one point in time I did six months, one point in time, four months, 30 days, three days, you know, just constantly in and out from the age of 18 to 25. So what kept you from going to prison? I guess for uh, you know drug trafficking or, or whatever. Yeah, so I don't even know how I ended up not going to prison. So in Ohio, the way they did it back then was if your sentence wasn't over thirteen months, they didn't worry about sending you to the pen. You just okay. stayed in county, right? Because it wasn't worth the money and I guess what it took to get you to, to prison. And um, so the very last time that I got in trouble in Columbus. I was 25 and it was my fourth DUI at that time. And the, the, uh, the judge said this, he said, you can either go to prison, right? You can go to prison for six months or you can, and you'll get a felony or you can go to this program that can help you because young man, you need help. You know, you've been in front of me so many times. You've got, you've got addiction problems. You need help. And, and I was like, Okay. Well, I didn't want a felony. I was at least smart enough in my brain to say, well, one day I'm going to be older 
and I don't want a felony on my record. Right. So I was like, cool, man, ring it up. Let's go. I'll go to this program. <laughs> like, cool. Send me up. Let me do it. And so I, I went there to, to this program. So I wouldn't get a felony on my record. So went there and yeah, the, the place again. So my mom and them, they tried everything, right. To send me to all these different amazing programs um, that cost thousands of dollars, but none of it worked. Now I go to this faith-based program, right? And I had some, like what we talked about earlier, I had some uh, background in Christianity, right? I was raised in church up till I was probably 13 years old and then life just changed completely. But um, anyway, so I had that background, but then I, I went to this place called Penile and, and it was an amazing experience, man. I really did. I met God because um, Penile means you met God face to face, right? That's the name of the, the, the program. And I really did meet him. I was like, oh my gosh, Jesus is real. It's not just, you know, someone my, my mom talks about. It's not just a name or a character in a book, but it, he's, he's real, right? The word of God became flesh and he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. And, and so here I am meeting Jesus and trying to figure it out, right? Like, okay, cool. And at that time, there were some things God did in my heart, um, but when I got out of Penile, I went to uh, I went to college down at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, right, which is a Church of God college. Okay. So I go down there and um, ended up, man. The enemy was, I mean, he was on my tail, and ran into a guy on on a uh, went to watch football at a at a just a bar and grill. You know what I mean? Sitting there eating wings, met some guy, and there just a random guy and this guy hands out, just holds his hand out and he's got Oxycontin oh. and Xanax in his hand, like here, just giving them away for free to me. And I'm going, and I remember in that moment, right? Like my heart just dropped to my toes and I was sick immediately. And I was like, and at this point in time, I'd been clean for almost two years, right? I hadn't touched anything in two, over two years, which was incredible at this time, right? right. That was amazing. And um, again, though, for them months, I was locked up in jail. And then 13 months, I was locked up in that rehab. Okay. So yes. basically 17 months, I was locked up of the two over two years being sober. So anyway, this guy just hands these to me. Right. And I remember taking them and I was like, um, throw them away, right? Throw them away, just throw them away. And for some reason I thought I'll put them in a drawer for a rainy day. And then life just spiraled instantly. It wasn't like a slow turn. I took one of them oxys. And from that point forward, it was, I mean, I dropped out of college, I actually got kicked out for fighting um, oh. and drug use. They caught me on, on yeah. oxys and, and, and I got in a fist fight with a guy. But um, so they kicked me out of school. It got so bad. I got back into dope again, back into heroin, back into the pills. And it was so sad. And my and my landlord came to me, actually, the guy I was written from down at college, super good guy. And he said, Keith, I know you're into some really bad stuff. Well, he was on city council, right, of this Cleveland, Tennessee. He was on the council. And he said, listen, the cops are coming for you. He said, mm. they, they know your name. I'm telling you, you better get out of here and go get your life back together. So I heeded his warning. I loaded up everything that day and drove straight back to Ohio, Okay drove back home. But, you know, there, there's a scripture where the Bible said, Jesus says, 
that you have to be really careful that, that when you clean yourself, right, when you clean the temple, if you don't continue to pursue him, he's basically saying this, if you don't continue to go after him, the enemy will come back with seven times worse demons yes. than the first time, right? That's what happened. I mean, it was worse than ever before. I mean, the heroin addiction, I was stealing and robbing from everybody. Um, it got so bad that where my mom and dad could no longer let me in their house because if they turned their back, I was stealing jewelry. If they turned their back, I was getting in their purse. If, if you know, they would be asleep, I would literally army crawl on the floor to steal their wallets while they were sleeping, right? Because they'd have to put everything in their room because they couldn't leave right. it out there for me to take. I mean, this is how bad it was. I would army crawl on my stomach to get to my dad's wallet to steal from him. My own dad. In his bedroom. In his bedroom while he's asleep. And he would wake up, right? And I'm like got my arm underneath his bed <laughs> trying to steal the wallet because he'd stick it under his mattress. And so I'd have my arm clear oh. up underneath his body. And he, he would wake up like, what are you doing, dude? And I'm like, nothing. What are you doing? You know, it's two <laughs> o'clock in the morning. Right? It's two o'clock in the morning. He's like, what do you mean, dude? And so this is how bad it was, man. And, and I, would, I would break into his car. I would take a coat hanger because he'd lock his wallet in the car. And I figured that out. So I took coat hanger, would bust in. I busted the window out one time to get it. This is how bad I was oh, on the drug. Didn't yeah. care that he was going to catch me. That didn't matter. All it mattered was I got the drug. And, and that's how bad it got, man. Um, and then I actually, so in the midst of this, right, at Panayal and, and uh, during those times, I, I met Julie, my wife now. And at the time when I met her, I was doing really, really well. This was when I was in college and doing really well. Um, but she stuck with me through all this, right? Um, even through the heroin addiction that I fell again and, and the relapse and, and all of that. And um, I actually ended up getting her pregnant, um, which was not a happy time, by the way. Wasn't happy at all. She was super upset because, you know, she didn't want her her baby, you know, her baby to have a dad who's a heroin addict, obviously. Right. Well, when I got her pregnant, um, my, my life started to, to just take a different, you know, just kind of like a, a different approach to life, right? I was like, okay, I'm getting ready to have a baby. I'm going to be a dad. Like, you've got to do something, dude. Like, you can't bring a kid into this world on heroin, right? You've grown up with a dad that's on addiction, right? Has addiction problems and an addict, you don't want your kid to deal with the same thing. Well, when Isabel was born, okay, this is where the whole, the whole rubber you know, met the road, if you will. She was born, and I'm in the hospital. I'm holding my little girl for the first time, right? And I'm dope sick. I'm oh. so dope sick. I can't even, I can't stand it. I'm so sick. And so I hand the baby off to my father-in-law, right? I hand Isabel off, and I leave go drive clear to Pittsburgh, which is about an hour and 45 minutes from the hospital, drive clear to Pittsburgh to re-up, come back. So it took me five hours. I was gone five hours to get dope, get back, show up there and I'm wasted. I'm oh. wasted on heroin. And my wife is like, really, dude? I mean, mm. is this what we're doing? You know, actually she wasn't my wife. I'm sorry. She wasn't my wife right. at the time. Right. But, but she was like, really? I mean, and, and I remember... So right then, actually, Julie was like, you know what? I can't have you around my kid. I can't have you around our daughter because you, you're, you know, you're not you. You're not yourself. You're, you're, you're high. And so after about two months where I couldn't see my kid, I couldn't be in no contact um, with them, Julie would let me come over and stay because my, my in-laws wouldn't let me on their property 
right? Who could blame them, by the way? Right. But they wouldn't let me on the property. So Julie would walk out the sidewalk with my daughter and stand on the road with me just so I could hold my little girl. And, and I can remember, it was so sad. It was so sad. But I remember in that moment, standing there holding her on the road, I was like, really? Is this the life you want? And I really didn't say, I, I remember thinking, okay, God, you're going to have to do something, right? Like, I remember thinking that, but I didn't really do much about it. I handed back Isabel and I left. Went on with life for the next few months or whatever. And um, one night I was sitting, I couldn't stay at my, my mom's, right? I had to stay at my, my grandmother's now at this time. Um, and so I'm staying at my grandma Linda's house, getting ready to shoot up. I got a whole, whole needle full of, of drugs. I just re-upped on heroin that day. And so I'm getting ready to take a shot. And, and I remember I literally started crying, right? Because I was like, I don't want to do this anymore because it no longer was fun, right? There was no more like, oh, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying this. It started that way in school. It was fun then. Now it's no longer fun. I'm a 27-year-old man getting ready to, to I'm going to kill myself if, if something don't change or I'm going to end up in prison the rest of my life. Right. And I remember sitting there bawling and, and, I, and I remember I just cried out. I said, Jesus, if you're real. Jesus, if you're real and you can help me, like everybody's told me you can help me. I could use some help. Went ahead and shot the dope up. Okay. I wish I, I wish I could say I just threw it down right then. Right. I didn't. And went about my life for another couple of days. I'm asleep. And now I'm, cause again, I had to jump around everywhere. Nobody let me stay very long cause they couldn't. So now I'm sleeping in my parents' shed. Okay. It's winter, right. In Ohio. It's, right. it's late January. Freezing. Uh, it's freezing cold. I'm in my dad's shed where he kept his lawnmowers, okay, out in the back of the house. And he had seen me walk in there. And so he comes out. He's like, dude, you can't sleep out here. He's like, you'll, you'll die. You'll freeze to death. Get in the house. Come on. And so he took me in the house. And this night wasn't like any other night. It was, it was wild. So I, I went upstairs. I laid down, went to sleep like, like normal. Now, Something that's wild about this addiction is that even in the middle of the night, it would wake me up sick as a dog, okay? About three o'clock in the morning, every morning, I have to get up and take a shot just to go back to sleep because I was so sick. This night, I get up at three o'clock in the morning, normal time to go get high, but this time it was different. Literally, I, I, I heard Jesus literally say, he said, enough is enough. Satan had his day. You're done. I got up took the dope into the, now I just re-upped that day. I took the dope and threw it down the toilet and flushed it. Okay. And I was in hundreds this of dollars, hundreds of dollars worth of dope, flushed it all down the toilet. And I went back and I sat down and I was like, oh my gosh, now what do I do? Right now? What? Cause I'm about to get real, real sick. What do I do? Lord, you're going to have to help me. And it's so funny because people say to me, well, how do you know Jesus? How do you know it was Jesus that said that? And I'm like, you know, when God speaks to you, it's, it's very, um, no one else sounds like him. Like there, there, it's, it was an incredible experience that I had encounter with, with Jesus that night. And so I flushed the dope down the toilet. Well, one of the things, so I called Julie up, right? I said, Hey, and again, she's heard this song and dance a million times before. I'm so sorry. I love you. You know, I apologize. It's never going to happen again. Da, 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 da. But this time I didn't say it that way. I, I just said, Julie, listen, I said, I'm sick of living this way, but I need help. 
you know, what, what am I going to do? And she said, well, do you remember that guy that we met at church? Cause she would try to take me to church, you know, um, when we were living in, in Pittsburgh and, um, she goes, you remember the guy that gave his testimony, uh, Brian Bolt, which, you know, at the time they, they were called Pittsburgh city outreach. He was same thing, same type of story, addicted to heroin, God delivered him. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. She goes, well, won't you call him? Here's his number. So she sent me the number. So I call him. And later that day, they had a bed. Later that day, I went to that Pittsburgh City Outreach home. And from that point forward, life changed forever. I mean, literally changed forever. I mean, I went from $300 a day heroin addict to completely sold out for Christ. Now, I'm not saying it was all easy because I went through the sickness. I went through the hurt. I went through the depression of switching my life, right? Changing my life. I wish I could say, oh, everything was just so great. It wasn't. I mean, there were several months of where I had to, to fight temptation, where I had to, to refuse my flesh and say, no, 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 no. I'm not getting high. I'm not going. Because in the, in the home where we were, there was dope. There was a dope dealer right across the street, literally a dope house right across the street. I mean, so you're stuck. It's right in your face. He's offering you heroin every day. Hey, bro, you want a cop? No, 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 right? And so every day we had to, to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And so I learned right there um, what it was to look, to look temptation in the eye and know that Jesus is stronger, that Jesus is greater, right? Because I couldn't do it on my own. Because up to this point, again, I'd been addicted to heroin for eight years, drugs for 15, and I'd never been able to say no before, ever. Even with you know a little bit of clean time, even the two years, right? I was clean over two years and still gave in. Because Christ wasn't, I didn't give my life to him. And so at that time, right, everything, you know, after I continued to walk this walk with Jesus, I stayed on staff there for a couple years. And we ended up going and planning a, a uh, men's home and a church in Cleveland, Ohio. So we left Pittsburgh, planted a, a campus in Cleveland, and I was there for a year. At this time, so Julie had a rule. I had to be clean for so many years right, before we could get married, which who could blame her? And so after three years, I'd proven myself, you know, like, hey, this is wow. my life, right? This is who I am, honey. Um, there's no going back to that. And uh, we got married. Now, what's crazy, that the because the, not only now am I delivered from heroin, but God is now putting me on a platform to share this experience with thousands of people. I'm preaching evangelistic crusades type things where I'm just sharing what Jesus has done, how he took a, a, a person so addicted to dope that I had abscess and I'd shoot up wherever to now actually sharing the gospel, that this message that there's, there's, there's better for life, right? God has something so much better for you. This, this not just idea, but this reality and truth that he will do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine. If you simply surrender your heart to him, that's always asking for a surrenderance, right? And so, um, so now I'm sober, um, three years, you know, God's really, really moving. And me and Julie, you know, we're like, Hey, it's time to get married. And we got a little girl that's three years old. And me and my daughter were really close. I mean, we would see each other every other weekend and really wanted to be with my family, obviously. And, uh, and it was incredible how God lined it up because there was a church back in Tyrone, PA, Community Worship Center, that really went through a hard, hard uh, split themselves, right? 
and the church was dying. There was 19 people here and, and they really felt like that the Lord had called me to be the pastor right now. What was, this is all crazy, right? Like this is all God, by the way. Yes. This does not happen. Like you can't make this happen. This is God elevating you and putting you in the place you need to be, which is my story. But I had two opportunities to choose between. I, I had a church I could plant in Columbus, Ohio, back home, um, which I thought that's definitely what I want to do. I want to go home or take this, you know, small town, a little bit bigger than Amanda, Kevin, just to give you a, a reference point. Um, church over with 19 people that, that, you know, is really struggling. And through multiple, um, you know, hours of prayer and fasting, and really seeking the face of God, what he wanted us to do with our lives. Um, all signs pointed to Tyrone. And the only thing I could say was I had this overwhelming love in my heart for our community, right? All of a sudden, I couldn't picture myself outside of Tyrone. And now what's crazy about this story. So now remember, my in-laws wanted nothing to do with me, right? Nothing. I couldn't be on their property. Now, my in-laws are on my board at my church okay and we are so close it's crazy right they're like my mom like they're we're so close um but this is what god does he doesn't just restore parts of your life he restores everything in your life if you just give him your life right and uh so now they're offering me a job to be their pastor not just be their son-in-law but to lead them spiritually right this is what God did. And oh it's, my gosh. I'll tell you, it's been an incredible story. Amazing. First off, if I could give you a hug right now uh, through this uh, video, I would. Crying. And I'm trying tears. not to cry I'm myself, crying. quite honestly. I'm crying. I'll admit it. I'm trying not but to this, cry. <laughs> but this was, you've been a pastor now for eight years. This was eight years ago. Yes, sir. This is eight. Yeah. Eight years. Eight years ago. Yeah. And I, as you're speaking, I'm thinking what's coming to my mind, Pastor Keith, is we know individuals who um, don't believe there's a God, right? Mm-hmm. And, and what, what their argument is, is we have not seen enough proof to be able to claim that there is a God. Yeah. And my rebuttal would be, look at what you just told us. Mm-hmm. Look at Pastor Keith deal. Look at the addiction this man had. Look at what was robbed of him from a young man had an opportunity to probably go to college, uh, whether it's basketball, whether it's football and what was robbed of him, right? To today, your in-laws who wouldn't allow you on their property, they didn't want you anywhere near their daughter, their granddaughter to being their pastor. Like, yeah, that's proof that there is a God, right? That's proof for, for you to overcome the addictions, right? To be completely set free. Yeah. No turning back. No, no. turning back. Mm-mm. Completely set free. It's gone. That's God. Mm. It's all God. It can only be God, right? Yeah. Because of the epidemic we have, the huge epidemic we have, is, you know, here in Columbus, I know, uh, in regards to opioids. Yeah, it's bad. That's, yeah. That is phenomenal, mm-hmm. right? So for the, anyone who's listening yeah. right now, Pastor Keith, what would you recommend for them who maybe experiencing some type of addiction like you did, whether it's the drugs, heroin, something else, right? But I know you did mention the Penile yes. uh, program, but what, what would you recommend for, for listeners? And we can certainly put this in the show notes as well. 
But obviously for me, right, first it's give your life to Jesus. Second, man, you can Google Peniel Rehab in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, right? It's P-E-N-I-E-L, Peniel, right? And um, it's an incredible program. I mean, you're going to get one-on-one counseling. Um, They they do it all, right? Clinical, spiritual, they do everything. So you have a um, well-rounded knowledge of your addiction, like where it comes from, the triggers, and how to combat them. Um, you know, because that's real and some of us need that, um, you know, to, to understand those things in order to get free. And so, but yeah, my, my first thing, like I said, so I'd said earlier too, Kevin and Stephanie, that my parents sent me to every other secular program that money could buy thousands. None of it worked. What I realized was they couldn't give me what they didn't have to offer me. They didn't have freedom because they didn't have Jesus right? They didn't have hope because they didn't have Jesus. They didn't have strength because they didn't have Jesus, right? Because in my weakness, his strength is made perfect, okay? And so what I realized finally at the end of all this is the reason I couldn't stay off of dope going to these secular programs is because they didn't have truth. They didn't have freedom. But once I gave my life to Christ, it all changed. Well, I'm speechless. That is impactful. That is powerful. I'm completely moved. I'm blown away. Listeners, if you would like to connect with Pastor Keith, of course, you can go to their Facebook uh, page. It's Community Worship Center. You can go to their website, communityworshipcenter.org. Yeah. Again, Keith, you look like the kid that I grew up with, (laughs) but Pastor Keith does not sound like the kid Mm. I grew up with. And so... I'm blown away. Again, I, I'm blown away. One, that we reconnected. I'm also blown away by the story that you you just told us. So thank you so much, sir. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. And I sure hope that it impacts somebody. Listeners, if you like what you just saw, like what you just heard, please go to iTunes, go to YouTube and subscribe, rate, review this podcast. That's the only way we'll be able to continue to produce this. Where else can they go, Stephanie? They can go to kevinandsteph.com. That's all I know, though. So, is that it? You crushed it. Yes, crushed it. Thank you, listeners. The story of my life, I give a love. I spend a love until she's broken.